honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Yo, so welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Uh, I am Izzy. I got Q on. What up? And we're just here for, I'm going to try to make this 45 seconds. We had a very long podcast with Daniel Nadeva from uh, Bright Young Things and dude is extremely dope and drops a whole bunch of knowledge bombs um yeah yeah it was amazing made me rethink a lot of of things like i i muted myself halfway so if you stop hearing feedback from me i was just so inspired that i was taking notes and having conversations with myself but one of the better episodes that we've had yeah seriously and so um we're just gonna jump right into it so here is joy I can't even imagine being quarantined in New York. Like, I've got so many friends there. Like, I'm just imagining me there. I I don't think I would leave it at all. Like, just stay in the apartment the entire time. Yeah. It's yeah. It's crazy. I, I even started getting into, like, yoga. And I haven't done yoga. Q and I were on the same track team in college. And he knew, like, I used to half-ass yoga all the time because we were forced to do yoga. You said half-ass everything in track, man. That's true. Um, but... We like now I'm getting into yoga because I'm like either sitting at my desk or I'm sitting on the couch and I like I never realized how important it is to like stretch and get the body moving or anything like that until like right now. Like I don't it's it's crazy. I never f- experienced this sort of tightness in my lower back quite like I have right now. And the yoga yeah. is helping a ton. Yeah, I mean, I hear all that like, you know, I'm I'm definitely uh you know i've had i've had my share of of physical you know ailments and and you know sort of run through that running has has definitely for the last you know dozen years or so been a great way to sort of like shake off the crazy energy that i feel professionally and now it's become a crazy way a great way to shake off some of this energy that i feel like you know sort of locked up in, in the, in the apartment here. Um, and it's also, you know, it's like, I think right now everyone is just sort of like longing for a sense of community and at least, at least with like running and apps like Strava or something, like at least I can see what my friends are doing or like share something that's not like a meme, you know? Um, yeah. Cause I miss playing basketball and I'm missing, you know, running with the different run clubs here in New York. And, and so, you know, um, and I just think like, you know, mentally and emotionally, um, you know, yoga and running have become these things that I, I need to rely on right now. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to change course as far as I'm not going to start eating differently or in an unhealthy way. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give in and, you know, give up like almost six years of sobriety, like for what, you know, it's like, I got to find these positive things. And I think that, you know, as creative people, we, we 
have no boundaries really as far as like when the workday uh, begins or ends. And so I almost feel like, you know, um, we really just have this this time to ourselves, you know, and, and I think it's worth it for us to just embrace it and not stress ourselves out over the fact that we need to be doing 5 million things right now. I think like our mental health is, is really important. And I'm just worried about like the creative community at large and how they're handling it. And I'm hoping that like, you know, some of the casualties from this sort of virus don't come from people just feeling like left alone or not having anything to do, you know, with themselves. Agreed. Yeah. I was just talking to someone how this might, how this, I hope, will be a good thing, you know, for a lot of people, like just forcing them to spend more time with themselves, ask more questions, you know, take time to actually love themselves because they, it's so lacking and it's so sad, you know, especially in like the creative space. I was actually listening, watching the news the other day and um, somebody asked Trump, they asked him um, if the casualties are uh, an accurate number if it wasn't Trump, it was somebody else, but they asked if the casualties at that point are an accurate number um, from the virus or are they including everybody that unfortunately are, um, are are not dealing with it the right way and are not dealing with the situation the way that, um, I mean, nobody else has dealt with it in the past, really. And um, it's crazy how many people are like almost turning a blind eye to that subject. So I, I agree a ton um that i just feel like you you mentioned earlier before we started uh, recording that you were thinking about this this idea uh just really showing off why or telling the story about why it's important to let's say love yourself or let's say continue that sobriety do you want to go into like where that came from and um where that like that overall idea if if it comes to life what what you really want it to do at the end of the day yeah, I think that I think that, you know, <clears throat> for a tiny bit of background as as someone who, you know, has owned uh this production company um for, you know, over 10 years and been making content and commercials and documentaries and music videos and all this stuff like our community is so um I feel like I feel like um we're so eager to please and we're so uh, we're always looking outward for validation, whether it's film festivals or staff picks or who shared your piece or how many likes it got on Instagram. And there's just not a lot of appreciation for the individual, um, like on a on a human level that happens in our industry. And I think that you know brands and and you know companies are are often happy to take advantage of freelance creative individuals get a lower rate tell them it's for the opportunity you know and for the exposure and whatever and then when the content does well everyone moves on and there's often like not a real genuine appreciation for all the individuals that went into making the thing happen whoever at the top wants to take the credit and run with it, that's their prerogative. But I think a lot of times people get left behind and tying that into like what that's like 
as a real human being and like what we all go through, I think if you look at the creative industry, there's a lot of struggles with, you know, chemical dependence and mental, um, you know, just sort of strain, emotional strain. Um, and now you're putting financial strain on top of that. So I think like, I just feel like for myself, one of the things that I needed to learn was that there are certain things that will happen in the in the industry where everyone who's like it feels like in this club lines up to congratulate one another and 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 champion one another's work but then there's the other club of like the small guy who I feel very attached to that guy and that person and like we often get left behind and sometimes we you know I feel like don't get the validation that we deserve um and that's cool like that's that's totally fine but all of those things i think compound to emotional challenges for people and i think that that turns into drug dependence and alcohol dependence and you know improper nutrition and looking you know to the wrong places for validation so i found in my own life that i needed to stop looking outward for all of those things that were such passionate people as creatives that it gets super emotional. It's like very tumultuous to like put yourself out there and try and make great things all the time. And when it doesn't go exactly the way that you want, oftentimes we like beat ourselves up. But at a certain point, I just learned that like, you know, the love that we're seeking from the outside world has to start within ourselves. And uh, for, for me, it changed a lot of the narrative around, you know, whatever chemical dependence issues um i was sort of staring in the face and and so I, i've just learned that it doesn't really matter how the outside world validates or doesn't validate uh you know these things that we make it's about how we treat ourselves first and foremost like there's so much stuff going on in the world that will make you feel bad I think we need to like be focused on starting with a foundation of things that make us feel good. And, you know, every day before any of those things impede upon our lives, we have an opportunity to lay that foundation for ourselves. So uh, what did that change actually actually look like for you? What did that change actually look like for you? Because I feel like it's like you hear that all the time, like love yourself. And I know there's a lot of people that they know that they just don't know actually how to like go about making that change and changing that narrative, you know? It's 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 interesting. Like I, I'm 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 a very honest person, and I I hope that by, you know, and I'm not like a dramatic person, and I'm not a very like outwardly expressive person. But I think if like me sort of remarking or commenting about how it happened for me is going to help somebody else, then I'll I'll do it. You know, so I don't often talk about it but personally I just had a moment where I was um, you know during a weekend not during work hours sort of coming down from you know a, for lack of a better word a high and uh, and I think I I mean I, I literally just had like an, an out-of-body experience of of being tired of what it felt like and hmm. I was just exhausted. Um, I felt disappointed in myself every time, like 
in the aftermath of, of getting high, um, I always felt like this disappointment in myself, like, you know, like, man, like, I think at my core, I really wish I could shake this. I don't know what this is doing for me anymore. It stopped being fun a long time ago. I don't know that I have control of this. All of those things just happened to compound in coming down, you know, this one afternoon. And and it overwhelmed me in a way that it never had before. And uh, I was 33 at the time. And, uh, and, you know, I started messing around with, you know, substances or whatever at like 13. So it had been 20 years of this like battle, which was the large majority of my life, you know. Um, and I just got completely exhausted by it. And I just had the moment of like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and thankfully, you know, I have somebody in my life who was down to let me talk through it. And and that was the beginning of it. And I just, you know, I was like, look, I'm, I'm a person who's been able to set goals for myself. I got to set a goal of 30 days to be able to like start working through this, you know? And um, so for me, it was, like a 30 day goal, like try to avoid substances for 30 days, try to start like turning back the, you know, the, the sort of the habitual sort of nature of the way that my life had, had started to play out and see how I could do things differently. And, and 30 days turned into 60, turned into 90, turned into six months, a year, two years, five years, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And so I think it's, yeah, I think it's just like a, okay, like everything's overwhelming. It's very easy to get overwhelmed. It's very easy to be intimidated. It's very easy to like lean on these things that aren't really who we are, or who we want to be. That's a big challenge for people, you know, but I think like if we can just stop letting all that shit like get in our way, we can actually like just focus on what is my problem right now. Like, not in two days, like this minute, like I'm walking, pacing around my living room right now. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are overwhelming, especially with what's going on in the world, <clears throat> but in the immediate, I'm pacing around my living room. I'm, you know, wearing clothes and I just ate a breakfast, you know, decent breakfast. And, you know, there's like not any problems right now that I have in front of me. And I think that that's just like, I had to break it down to the simple moment of like these, these seconds that I'm living in right now, not the 30 in front of me and not the 30 behind me. And, and that's how it sort of like started. And then once I could clear out all that noise, then I was able to actually realize that like, okay, like other things impact my value of myself. How do I start solving that problem? And it just allowed me to clear space to like start working through a lot of things. I love that. That's incredible. You mentioned really you had to get back to your core and figure out who you were. Who who are you for those that are 14 minutes into this episode and don't really know who you are or there hasn't been an intro? Who are you? Like, what do you do and why do you do it? So in in terms of putting it on a business card, my name is Daniel Nevetta. I own a company called Bright Young Things. <clears throat> we are a production company and creative agency in New York. Um, we make commercials, documentaries, and music videos and things of that nature. We also 
co-created a podcast that's on <clears throat> Hype Beast called Business of Hype with Jeff Staple. Um, so that's who I am on a business card. Uh, <clears throat> and I also am, you know, as a hobby, an advocate for improving um, the sort of materials and process in the sneaker industry. And I have a Instagram account called The Air Vegan um, because I live a vegan lifestyle and I only wear sneakers that don't harm animals. Um, so that's that's a, another extension of sort of who I am and, and what I care about a lot. But um, if I was answering who I am like as a person and it wasn't trying to be summarized super succinctly, I'm I'm a person who grew up in Queens in the 80s and 90s and with two older brothers and loved, you know, hip hop and basketball and, you know, all the other New York sports, baseball and football. And um, I went to public schools here, which I think is, you know, a very sort of fortunate upbringing in a very different way than other people would define it. But growing up in the literal melting pot of the world, um, you know, getting a free education, uh, you know, here was, was great um, and amazing. Uh, then I sort of got into heavier music and the New York City punk rock and hardcore scene around like 13 years old and ended up starting to play instruments and then sort of uh, taught myself a few different instruments and ended up playing music professionally uh, in my early 20s and traveled around the world doing that. And then I came back and had no <laughs> plan or no real education to speak of, uh, and just sort of started trying my hand at different things. And so um, started writing some music for short films and uh, taught myself how to record music. And then once uh, I had an understanding of that stuff, a couple of years later, I was looking to really figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And found my way into the commercial production industry in New York City as a bottom of the barrel production assistant on, you know, promos um, and commercials at places like MTV. And then just sort of started working my way up the ladder and eventually um, started a company in 2008, uh, sort of as a place for my, you know, sort of misfit up-and-coming friends to be able to um, try to get better and try to improve and we tried to just start with super small projects um, we were getting like behind the scenes on music videos and these little little opportunities that we just always tried to over deliver on and and now it's been 12 years since I've had my own company and you know we've we've gone on to be nominated for Grammys and MTV video music awards and uh, had films at Tribeca Film Festival and International Documentary Association has recognized a bunch of our work. And so, you know, that's a little bit about who I am, I think. <laughs> I'd love to talk about like just the beginning because I, I know Izzy sent out those questions to you and you were like, you were excited about like your big break, it seemed like, and the way that you answered the response. Can you just talk about like that, that beginning, that first role that you had, and just how that's impacted your career? Yeah, I, I I actually want to maybe we pause for just one second. Uh, I want to yeah. see 
what I said my big break was. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, because I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's... I mean, so if many. it's something else, it could be something else. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm happy to talk about it. I, I, I just needed to check, like, a lot of wonderful, a lot of wonderful little things have happened for me along the way. So I just wanted to, it's been, it's been February 24th was when I sent the email. So I feel like uh. I've lived a lifetime since then. Um, <laughs> yeah, lots of We all have. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, if we're, if we're, if I'm trying to call out a big break, it's going to sound so insignificant and small to other people, but um, so to table set, it was getting this opportunity as a production assistant um, on a Fanta beverages commercial for, you know, that MTV was making as a promo. Um, and so this, Ooh, this must have probably been like 2003 or something like that, maybe 2004. Uh, and and for me, it was a big break because at the time, I was I had I was living you know with a roommate, one of my friends who we came up in music together, and he had just graduated the School of Visual Arts in New York and he was like the best student in his class and immediately got a job at MTV. So his girlfriend at the time was also working at MTV as a producer producer on these commercials. And I had no idea what I was doing with my life and was a janitor uh, in elementary schools in New York City cleaning up after kids. Um, and we were sitting at the apartment one night and my friend's girlfriend said, Hey, like, do you, would you ever want to be a production assistant? If I can, you know, I can hire you on like a project, you'll make 200 bucks a day. And, um, you basically just need to do whatever I tell you to do. And, and I was like, uh, sure. Like, it sounds great. Like, you know, I'm, I'm down to give it a shot. Like, I don't know where my, where I'm going with my life, you know, like, um, and so she said, cool, well, I need you for three days next week, um, sort it out. So I told, you know, my job that I needed three days off and, and they paid me, you know, for three days, uh, to work on this Fanta commercial. And, um, I nice. just remember, yeah, I just remember, you know, knowing that I was making 600 bucks when that was at the time, what I was taking home every two weeks as a janitor. Um, so to me, it was a good opportunity financially. I mean, obviously that's literally like the lowest paying job you could have on a commercial set, but you know, this is where I was in my life. Um, and I just remember being on set and, uh, my, everyone was on lunch and my, my friend who was the producer, God bless her soul. <laughs> um, you know, she walked me, into the set which nobody was on because everyone was at lunch and we were i was just like admiring all the gear uh i had no filmmaking experience um and you know i was just asking questions like like what is this guy actually doing what is this gear who's the guy that works with this gear you know and she was like well this is the cinematographer and this is you know the sound guy and what he does and so then i was just like well how much do these people have to go to school for this? And she's like, no, it's all based on like your skills and how you interact with people. And I just couldn't wrap my head around that because with no 
real college education to speak about, I was just like, these people are making X amount of dollars a day with no college education, and it's just about how well they can interact with people. Like, wow, like I've, I haven't known what I could do with myself, but this seems like an opportunity for me. If I can show up, be a good person, be nice, and like I learn from doing. I'm not really like the greatest student. So I was just like, wow, I think this could be something. Like I'm gonna stick around and try and continue to get production assistant jobs and just sort of start trying to wrap my head around this business. And so it sounds like it's not a big break by any stretch of the imagination to be the lowest guy on the totem pole on a Fanta commercial. Literally my job was to like make sure that there were straws in the water for the talent so that they didn't mess up their lipstick. Like that was what I had to do, (laughs) you know? So it was a nonsensical task, but it opened up a lot of possibilities for me. And then I was able to continue to get work as a production assistant. And I quit my job pretty quickly um, and just sort of focused and was like, look, if I can get two or three days of work a week as a production assistant, I'll, I'll be good. You know, I'll be making what I was making and I'll have more free time to, at the time I was like trying to write music, you know? And so it worked out. It was like the break that opened up all the other things that happened for me after that. That's awesome. I love that you are like very open about, hey, like this might not have been what I was going to go into. And um, a lot of people struggle with that, especially right now. Like there's a lot of people, um, I, I feel like there's a lot of people really looking themselves in the mirror and saying, okay, this is the time to start that business or this is the time to um, maybe quit my job or something like that. Maybe right after this entire situation is over. So how, like what, how did you, what motivated you to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to start bright young things. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, two things, what motivated me or what gave me the courage, I think in my life to be this type of person was a, that, I'm the youngest of three boys and we're all four years apart. So you can imagine when I'm 10 years old, my oldest brother's 18 years old. So he's driving a cool car and listening to Daz FX and Nas and we're in Queens and, you know, I'm 1991 and I'm listening to the coolest rap that changed the history of music and whatever. So I just, I always felt this, sort of confidence in myself because of like I was sponging so much off of the people that were way older than me there weren't other kids in fourth grade who like saw the world the way that I did but it was because I was seeing it through the eyes of people that were four and eight years older than me um but I and and I was like largely left alone I was the youngest and uh and still am the youngest and uh my my, you know, I had a single mom, so um, who was raising me and my two brothers, and she was working two jobs. So there was a lot of like, you're left to yourself, not because she didn't love me, because she needed to keep food on the table. And so there was just a lot of like, keep yourself busy. So I was always like, keeping myself busy with the most elaborate, crazy ideas, but like, you know, the sparks of creativity that have then come back to sort of 
helped me later in life. And people would always sort of be like, wow, that's pretty cool that you like wrote a script at 10 years old. Like, <laughs> I guess, you know, like other kids aren't trying their hand at the same types of things that you are. And I just would immerse myself in stuff. But the, the thing that gave me the courage to start Bright Young Things <laughs> was just, like so many of the decisions I think that we make in our lives, it was born out of a bit of desperation and a bit of, um, well, I'm only going to live once. So like, how do I make sure that I'm not going to look back and feel like I didn't try things that I wanted to do? I mean, I had like no money. I got fired from um the job i had which was at collegehumor.com they sort of like blindsided a couple of us and you know let us all go like three weeks before christmas um in a very um <laughs> you know sort of awesome glimpse into what it's like to work for somebody else and um and so i was just like well what am i going to do with myself now and you know I had about two weeks of burn cash uh, and then it was going to be Christmas and, you know, I had to figure out what I was going to do. So I ended up, you know, just sort of having this time to figure out what to do next. And I, and I was really feeling like I should probably get out of the industry, like that it was not fair to people and that people get squashed a lot. And then just because I've always, you know, felt like I owe it to the people around me to try to help them too. I was like, well, maybe I'll just start my own little thing and me and my friends can just sort of figure it out together. Like a lot of my friends are talented, but they're not really getting opportunities. And, and I, you know, know some people from like being in music as a, as a, you know, musician, um, maybe I can get us some like little video work and maybe I can drum enough together to like hook my friends up for a little while and be able to like intermittently like provide help uh, to people. And so I was like, I'll just start my own little company. And it wasn't called Bright Young Things at first, but um, I started it and, you know, I ended up getting one freelance job as a producer. I was like producing some Good Morning America promos for a friend's company and the the bread that they paid me for that for like a week and a half was enough to like um, get a lease on a space. And I had a laptop and I was like, yeah, now I have this big space. I guess we can like have events in here and film things and like practice editing and like try out whatever gear we can borrow from other people. And and then like I scraped together 500 bucks and bought my friend's used camera. And then all of a sudden we were shooting like these low, no budget music videos. And, you know, it was like, it was just out of like, I just don't want to go give in to a life that I don't, you know, see for myself. That's not going to get me out of bed in the morning. So it was just, that's how it happened. You know, it was definitely out of like desperation and, just trying to figure out how to like not sign up for a life that I wasn't really interested in. I love that you, when we were sitting down uh, having dinner, we, you chatted about, or you mentioned something about putting your apartment 
really close to the studio and you wanting complete control over what's what's next can you go into that a little bit and how you you've kind of dealt with that because i feel like a lot of business owners put so much pressure on themselves especially at a in a point like right now uh, they put so much pressure on themselves to make sure that the checks are signed and everything like that and um how do you kind of find that that zen yeah i think that because when I had gotten, you know, sort of laid off um, from this job that I had, I was like, well, I'm commuting to Manhattan every day, almost an hour. Um, and I'm losing two hours a day. I'm losing 10 hours a week to go like work for someone else. And like that time is just evaporating <laughs> into the world. I'm not doing anything with it. So like, if I'm going to start my own thing, I need to like get that time back and what would I do with 10 hours a week, you know, um, which is ironic to be talking about this now when all of a sudden we have, you know, 24 hours a day, you know, we have like endless amounts of time to ourselves, but I was so felt like those 10 hours were going to be so valuable to developing what this thing I was building, what I wanted it to be and look like. So, um, yeah, that was just important to me. I felt like, you know, I mean, the reason why everyone says time is money is because time is money, you know, and, and what, how much value do I put on my time is something that like, I've, I've thought a lot about over the years, um, and just trying to make smart decisions over what I'm setting, you know, my, myself up to do. And, and it just felt like, if I'm starting my own thing, I need to be as intelligent as possible. I don't want to be spending $300 a month on commuting. And so that gets rid of that and that can go back into the company. I get back 10 hours a week. Like it just seemed like, well, this is a no brainer. So I, you know, I lived like a block away from where we started the company, I walk around the block. Um, and that was, I felt like a really good idea and it, it definitely, a you know, I also used to, I mean, and this is what it's like to be a small business owner. I'm, two other things is like, one thing is that in the beginning, we didn't have an editor and we couldn't really like afford good editors. We weren't getting those types of budgets. So I uh, taught, uh, you know, I, I signed up for like a class. It was like, I think it was three hours in a basement on the Lower East Side for like 150 bucks where like this kid would teach you how to edit in three hours. And so I like went and took this kid's class and learned how to edit. And then, you know, or enough to be able to like put stuff together and export videos. And then I would do my regular day of trying to do like business development and outreach and, you know, figuring out, you know, how to run a company and putting together deal memos and whatever. And then I would eat dinner, take a nap for an hour, and then get back up at like 8.30, and then I would become the editor, you know, from 9.30 or 9 p.m. to like 1 or 2 in the morning and just edit. And then I would go back to sleep at, you know, you know, walk to my place, which was right around the block, go <laughs> to sleep and get back up and go back into the office and start all over at like 8.30 in the morning and just do these double shifts. Um, but just trying to be as efficient as possible um, 
with my time. Um, and I, I guess I sort of forgot what the second part of that was that I was going to say, but, um, yeah. Dude, I, I resonate with that so much. Uh, I was just talking about how like, like these days, like now with COVID-19 and everything that's going on, it feels like a blend, like yesterday, today, tomorrow. And like, that's all you got. And it just reminds me so much of like when I was first starting and it's like, okay, you're going to wake up super early after you went to bed super late and you're going to work and then shit, it's the next day. And then repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And I feel like we're not all of us, uh, but it's it just reminding me of that time of just, just getting started, you know, and we all have so much time right now to just get started, <laughs> to, to do that thing that we wanted to do. So just wanted to add yeah. that on has no value there just reminded me <laughs> no that that is valuable i think that like it's man it's so it's so brutal and thankless to do that for so mm -hmm. long you know and and it's you know but it's like i remember also i used to sort of and this was like right around the time i started the company and i was saying it a lot and then I was just like, well, shit, like I have to put this into practice. You know, my other friends who were complaining about not getting work as a freelance production assistant when were, were like, dude, how are you getting work? You're working five days a week, six days a week, like as a, as a, as a PA, as a production assistant. And I'm just like, honestly, man, because like I'm, I'm on set, I'm like talking to people and I'm like making sure that I'm like respecting that work needs to happen. But when I get a minute, I'm trying to like build these connections because I promise no one ever came to my house, knocked on my door, saw me on the couch doing nothing and said, hey, I've got an opportunity for you, you know. So like mm. I, I just feel like that's how shit happens. It doesn't happen unless you make it happen. I watch so many people who are way more talented than I am in, in my assessment. And they just, they don't seem to care as much. They don't, you know, they're not willing to take the, you know, unfortunately, like emotional sort of pummeling of like putting yourself out there. But then, you know, then they wish that they, then they're curious why, like, you know, things are moving for certain people and why they aren't for others. But it's like, you know, you get out in a lot of ways, sort of what you put in, you know? Yeah, agreed. I love that. What? I know um, with Bright Young Things, story is like, like 100% what you do, the the art of storytelling. And, and it seems like with the Air Vegan, like it's the same thing. You're telling a story um, with every post. What? I know you've worked on some massive, massive commercials. I've worked, you've worked with some massive brands. Um, what's been the best story that you've worked on and why? Well, you know, it's funny. I think like, um, let's see. I, uh, I there's, there's a lot of ways I could go with this one, but <laughs> I think, I think that, um, I think that one of the best stories, I don't know if it's the best. I mean, I really want to tell this one about my dad, but I'm not going to tell that one because I'll tell, I'll tell a different story instead. I mean, it's sort of the one that I mentioned when we were just volleying questions back and forth. I felt like, <laughs> you know, it's amazing, like word travels and we have never had 
I mean, now we have them in a very sort of like casual form, but we're nothing like other production companies in this regard with like, we don't have like sales reps all over, like telling people our story, our story we've sustained as a company because people like working with us and they tell our story for us, which is totally insane. Like no other production company survives like that. Everybody else has these sales reps who sell them as a production company, but where this anomaly that has been able to like pull this crazy shit off by being really good to people and being super honest. But like, um, we got a call, I got a call, uh, God, I don't even know how many years ago it is. And it's my favorite project because I'll, I'll, I'll unpack it in like quick little details, but I was running out the door to go play basketball which was something that I had gotten back into. It's something I always grew up doing. And uh, my wife had sort of encouraged me to get back into it. I'm running out the door to go play a basketball game. My phone rings. It's an LA number that I don't recognize. And I pick up the phone and it's this awesome woman who's like, Hey, like I was talking to, you know, X person at major music label that everyone knows. And they, and I have this crazy project and they told me you're the person to call. Um, and I was like, okay, so that's good. I guess word has traveled, you know, in my mind, I'm like, this is good. I guess word has traveled that like we can pull off miracles. And so we got asked to make some vampire weekend videos to launch one of their albums that then went on to win, uh, a Grammy for best, um, best, best alternative album of the year. Um, but it started they were like, look, I think it was, I think it was a Tuesday when I got the call and it was like, eight, you know, 7 PM. And they were like, we need to make two videos that need to go live on Monday, which was six days away. And we want to do X and we want to do Y, you know, we want, these are the two sort of general concepts for the videos. And, you know, we need someone to like make them happen. Um, like, would you be interested in trying to solve this crazy problem with us? And I was like, I'm totally interested. I can make those things happen. Like, send me an email with like whatever info you have. I'm going to do some thinking about it. <clears throat> I've got to run out for two hours and I'll check in as soon as I get home and we'll get the ball rolling, you know, and like in the morning, let's like kick this whole thing off. And I got off the phone and, you know, my brain started thinking about how we were going to pull off these two crazy projects in less than six days, shoot them, edit them, deliver them and have them live to help them launch their new album. <clears throat> and I went off to go play basketball <laughs> for two hours. And <laughs> the reason why nice. I think it's like one of my favorite stories is because I think we have to like look out for ourselves in the midst of the chaos. And I wasn't I learned at some point while doing this that like, it's no fun if we just like abuse ourselves to get to this imaginary place that then when we get there, we just move the goalposts and want to get somewhere else, you know? <clears throat> so I just have learned to like try to balance my life as much as I can. And I went off and played basketball. I came home and <clears throat> got to work on what I needed to get to work on. We shot one video on Friday and started editing it as soon as we wrapped. And then we shot the other video on Saturday and started editing that as soon as we wrapped. The band wasn't on set for either of the videos. We reviewed remotely while I think they were, 
maybe it's like South by Southwest or something. Um, and, and we were able to deliver, you know, the, the, the project on time and the videos launched and they killed. I mean, the two videos are awesome. Um, so one of my favorite, you know, one of my favorite projects for sure, just because we did what people were, you know, the story had been told that we were the ones who could pull off the miracle and we did times two. And then they came back to us and we did two more videos for the album. So we ended up doing four videos for the album and, um, you know, and I'm, you know, still friends with some of those guys and it's just a great story, you know, like the videos stand up against, you know, have stood up against time. And, um, yeah, it's just like one of those moments in which like, that's what I was made to do is to be able to like pull off those types of projects. And, um, I take a lot of pride in that type of stuff, you know, just being able to do so much under whatever the circumstance without being mean to anybody or driving anybody crazy. Um, but still sort of delivering a great product. So that's incredible. It's, it's really cool hearing like how well people work under pressure and like some of our best work has come in when we like set deadlines for ourselves and, and create a very, very, um, we create something incredible and like one of the best uh, projects, I still have to send you this link, um, but one of the best projects we've worked on was we we decided to throw this like mini event um, and it was a mental health experience event where we texted 30 people um, and uh, the day before uh, the, the event actually happened, we texted them uh, to RSVP for the event. No other details, anything like that. We just texted them. If they RSVP'd, they got a ticket um, via like an e-ticket. Uh, to the event and an address, and we told them to be prepared to base, to share something about themselves on stage. And when they showed up, they showed up to like almost a blacked out um, studio space um, with a uh, stage and lights just pointed to a microphone. And we encouraged everybody to go up and talk about what they're struggling with. And uh, Q went first talked about what he was struggling with. Uh, then everybody had a number on their hands. So we, we called out numbers. They weren't, in, they weren't forced to go on stage or anything like that. But what happened, what that, what happened that night was incredible. Like we came up with that, I think on Monday, the idea for the event on Monday, um, we threw the event on a Friday and, uh, well the next Friday and the, the amount of people and stories that we heard of uh, everything from people struggling with bankruptcy to racial tensions to um, a, like mental and emotional abuse to all the physical abuse, like all these different things that people went on stage to talk about and really share because they actually felt like they were in a safe space. Um, and we created a film around it. They, they were, everybody in there went up on stage and talked about it. And then we asked if it was going to be okay if we actually shared the, the film. And the film is what really got people talking because like Q posted, Q posted it, like every member of the staff actually posted it. And uh, then what, like all these people that went up to talk 
started sharing it and talking about like, hey, this is this helped me because of X, Y, Z. I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. And I encourage people to keep talking about that. And with like, we haven't been able to replicate that just yet because we we had like um, clients jump on board and everything like that, which is great. But like, those are the things we want to be a part of and to think back and think about that really tight deadline that we had to meet on that and make sure that we had everything in order from drinks to um, the actual event. Like we had a very small, we still have a small staff. So uh, just making sure that everything happened in such a tight deadline, you, you really get to see who you are uh, when you're under pressure. And it, it's, it's a crazy experience. Yeah. I think it also accelerates the learning curve as people who need to make things, you know, it's like, you know, there's no time, to sort of, you know, juggle mistakes. You just have to, you know, push through some of the failures and there's no time to like self-loathe and there's, but like, I I think that the good, the, the sort of positive thing is that, is that like you capture the essence of something, which I think is so hard to do when there's too many voices and there's too much time to sort of work through stuff. I mean, you know, we are fortunate enough to work on projects where, you know, there's 25 people on a call and the Google slide presentation has been altered, you know, nothing short of 150 times. And like, and you got, and the call that was supposed to be 30 minutes to talk about logistics turns into two and a half hours or whatever the case may be. And it just like, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like interference that happens and like we lose the essence of like the inspiration. And I, I that's what I like about, um, and this ties back to something I, I meant to say earlier and, and sort of lost my train of thought, but like we have, you know, with like the keeping the office close thing or whatever, like in the beginning, we don't want to be super big, you know, like we don't want to be, I don't want to not know everyone that works for me well, you know, I don't want to lose the essence of who we are. I don't need to have more than what I have, you know, like I'm not doing this to like be the richest, the biggest, whatever I'm doing it to like make sure that this, keeps me whole as like a creative individual who like wants to feel like I'm making a positive contribution to the creative community and the friends that I have that are in this industry and, and the world at large through the stories we tell, you know? And so um, I think it's, it's, it's almost like a relief to sort of be able to sprint into projects like the vampire weekend project or like the project you're describing where like you can capture the essence of what you wanted to do and sort of like see what magic happens because like magic happens when you get out of the way, you know, like it's very rare that these like overthought, you know, campaigns capture the magic and the essence of the person. Like oftentimes they end up relying on the editor to pull magic out of stuff. But like, I'm a big believer from like a creative standpoint and as a, as a director. And um, I love long patient shots. I don't like a lot of fast edits. I don't like a lot of, you know, like pomp and circumstance 
I like letting things breathe because like if you're if you're going after a story that's like worth telling, it doesn't need all that crazy stuff, you know? It just you just need to sit back and hear it, you know? So I like patience and honesty over like, you know, this crazy sheen and everything being overproduced like you know, I think it all sort of like ties into one another. I love it. I, love I had it. to mute myself because you gave me so many ideas there. <laughs> Just taking notes over here. So never mind me if I'm quiet. <laughs> yeah, all good. All good. No, I think uh, what's really cool and the reason, the, the way that I found you um, is obviously the air vegan. And the more I started talking to you in the, when we were in New York and had dinner, we we chatted for a while. I didn't think that it was going to be that long. Um, but you chatted about a ton, like everything from the bulls, uh, the nineties bulls to, um, by the way, did you guys see, um, that ESPN is pushing up the, the documentary? The first thing on Jordan? I saw this morning, baby. And oh it's the my day gosh. before my birthday. So like, that's like the greatest gift. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's coming out on the 19th now of April, which I'm, so excited about even lebron posted about it and then and then the next day april 20th which is my birthday is also the anniversary of jordan dropping 63 in the boston garden versus the celtics in 1986 which is like another like historic day in jordan folklore so i can't wait i cannot wait (laughs) that's i i honestly like when i read that news this morning i was i was pretty jacked i was already jazzed already this morning but that like that was when's it coming out uh the 19th of april so it actually follows i don't know if you know q but the documentary follows the i think it's the 97 98 bulls if i'm not uh mistaken but it follows and it talks about that entire season and it was the last championship that the bulls um won so they were talking about like everything like they highlight like rodman like randomly leaving and like is like leaves the bulls and just like starts showing up on reality talk shows and stuff like that and um it's pretty cool but that was a complete side <laughs> side <laughs> note but we the the way that i found it was air vegan and um do you want to go into like what's next for the air vegan and what you really have planned <laughs> for that specifically since you, it seems like you're spending a lot of time um on it right now since you have that 24 hours yeah so you know it's it's crazy i'm i'm so glad that um i get encouragement from you know people that are close to me in my life um my wife being you know thankfully my number one cheerleader but i was you know doing all this like sort of research to find my own vegan sneakers and then wanted to just sort of like unlock that research because it was taking me a lot of time to be able to like, you know, flex with my sneakers because I'm a huge sneaker guy and have been for 30 plus years. And, um, and, but also like, you know, sort of show out and not be promoting the use of animal products um, for us to wear on our feet, which you know, is something I feel passionately about. So it started small as, as all of these things do. And I remember, you know, being like, wow, I can't believe I have 50 followers. Like, this is awesome. Um, 50 people care about <laughs> vegan sneakers, you know? Um, and I was happy to like serve those people. And now, you know, it's, it's up to like, which still isn't a ton, but it's 
6,000, but for me, that's more than our company and more than my personal, like, combined and multiplied, you know? So, um, so, so yeah, as far as the next steps, this week I am, and it is about to be the first week of April, um, I'm getting designs. It's amazing, man, the community. Like, people appreciate the Air Vegan so much that, People are like, hey, I want to build a website for you. So um, I've nice. been working with a designer who's building a website for me. And um, so we'll, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks have a site up that includes this rolling and, you know, we'll constantly be adding to it. But like the ultimate list of vegan sneakers um, and it'll also have content from Instagram and other like. Uh, we started a, I started a YouTube for the Air Vegan a couple of weeks ago and put out episode one. We're working on episode two right now. I'm trying to, I wanted episode two to be really impactful. So we've been spending a lot more time on episode two than I did on episode one. And I, I'm working with another designer on that, who's someone that I <clears throat> really admire and worked on some hypebeast stuff with. And he and I are uh, fleshing out I don't want to say too much, but we have this sort of original concept that we're going to present and and then sort of offer up the designs to whatever sneaker brands um, to sort of use to do a better job in their messaging. Um, but it's like a pretty big project that we've been working on, obviously, for free and just as a concept, but to sort of prove a point. So, you know, episode two is coming out. I have I just got uh, a screenshot of a feature that I have in a in a big Berlin uh, zine called Vegan Good Life, which is distributed across you know around the world and is you know very much like a like a high snobiety, but like the vegan version. Um, and they just did a feature on me, and hopefully you know I would love to you know, you have to have goals. So like for me, I want to, I want to work with Nike as a brand to a sort of like try to improve some of their practices and messaging around um, more sustainable footwear. And then, you know, beyond that, like a dream for me would be to be able to redesign um, some of the classics with them uh, from a sustainable approach um, and utilize some different materials and, and just sort of like let people know that, you know, vegan sneakers is not like wearing burlap sacks on your feet. There's like a lot of dope shit you can do. And like, I think it's our responsibility, A, as consumers and B, on their side as designers to, you know, be as thoughtful as we can to the environment um, and, and Nike's always been the best innovators and the best thought leaders in the space. Um, and me, you know, I'm like in marketing and creativity and design and all that good stuff. So like, I want to, obviously Nike's incredible at that too, but I, I would love to see there be some overlap for all of us. And, um, we'll see. I mean, I was lucky enough this last week, Liz Beecroft, who, you know, um, yeah. invited me for Air Max Day to do an Instagram live with her that was, you know, to celebrate Air Max Day and talk a bit about 
what I do and all that. So it's been really great. Like a lot of people in that community and, and at the brand have been nice enough to promote or like or share or encourage, you know, the air vegan to keep going. And, and it's just been such a awesome project. You know, it's like, I care so much about it that it's like, I wake up an extra hour early every morning to work on the air vegan. And then, you know, nice situation wasn't what it is now I would then you know grab breakfast and then go into the city and go be the owner of bright young things for the day and then I come home and check in on the air vegan and try and give it another 30 minutes before the day is over but you know an hour and a half a day is like pretty significant but it takes a lot to research and I want to make sure that you know, it's funny, like I write these long winded posts, but I hope that they're like informational and informative. And, and then I get all this great feedback from the community and, and people just like, Hey, man, like I was out of caring about sneakers, because I didn't think anyone like, you know, felt the same way, or like, I'm learning so much or like, thank you for this. Like it always, it really helps me with my confidence to be able to like wear sneakers that I'm proud to have on my feet. And like, I, I identify with that stuff and it may seem like frivolous to other people, but like, you know, I think we end up dressing, you know, if you're the type of person I am, like the stuff makes you feel great. Like I like having all these options um, that I can like put something on and I feel like um, a better version of myself. And, you know, when I'm out shooting commercials or whatever, and, people want to talk to me about sneakers it's like hey what are those things you're wearing and it's like hey these are designed with all corduroy and it's a vegan version of like one of the most famous sneakers of all time and I got them from here or like when I wear Liz's sneaker it's like this is a sneaker that a mental health expert who works with foster kids in New York who like don't you know who like identify with her and appreciate her because of her love for sneakers. She got to design her own sneaker for Nike and it's so dope. And, you know, like the proceeds went back to these causes. And, you know, it's like to be able to like storytell through like what I'm wearing on my feet and to be able to then be like, and it's vegan. You thought it was cool. It had a story and it's vegan. Like, I just think like, it's it's just fun for me. I'm, I like care about that stuff like sneakers has been such a big part of my life. So um, I, I, I sort of do it because I, I, I don't know what else to do. I would be doing it anyway. It's just the fact that I like press upload on all my ideas and the things that I care about and just sort of like want other people to share in the vegan sneaker community also, you know. The way that you're explaining that is literally like my favorite feeling in the world. Like <laughs> when people talk about the thing that they love, like I feel the same way. Like I just started streaming. I'm obsessed with like video games and everything, esports, and that feeling that I get. It's just like I'm gonna get up at 3 a.m. just because I want to play this and I want to start talking to people about games and where the world's going and the future, you know. And like the way that you explain that, I wish and I hope that everybody gets to feel that feeling. Yeah, I think we gotta we gotta do that for ourselves. You know, it's like I I'm. I need that stuff. You know, I don't give in to, you know, this sort of weakness that I have where I used to kill time with drugs and alcohol, you know? And so now it's like, 
I mean, I've had three knee surgeries and I still am out playing in multiple basketball leagues because like the energy that I get from the amazing, you know, friends that also play that are over the hill like I am and don't play like we did when we were 19, but like, <laughs> but like we're communicating and connecting with each other through these yeah. things. And now more than ever, like, I just want there to be community, you know, like I, I, I feel that way with bright young things and, you know, we're faced with this crisis, like all of our projects are on hold and more important than anything, like I was saying earlier, like, you know, I'm being asked to sit at home and do nothing. That's the part that I'm being asked to play. And like, you know, all these frontline civil servants are, going out essentially into a war zone, like, and, and putting their lives on the line and their families at risk to like help people in this crisis. And, you know, it's like, what do I do to contribute to the community in this time? You know, I'm, I'm not really sure. It's a question I had asked for myself, but we started doing a project with BYT a couple of weeks ago where, I was just like, man, like all my filmmaker friends, the freelancers are sitting home, feeling bad about themselves, don't know what to do, like probably feel bad, like promoting any commercial work. So I was just like, okay, look, cinematographers, directors, producers, composers, editors, anybody submit work to us via direct message, send us a Vimeo link, and we'll curate a film festival every week. And it'll encourage you to stay at home, it's free to submit, it's free to watch, and like we'll create all these cool social assets around it to like make everyone feel good and give some, you know, people something to share about some of their personal projects and stuff that wasn't really seen or got looked over at the time or like if your film festival that you were premiering something at got canceled, like, you know, let's celebrate each other's work, make it free and easy and like do something positive because like I don't know what else to do right now, you know? So like, it's sort of, it's sort of like, you know, I feel that way about the air vegan and I feel that way about BYT. It's like, you can't just take and take and take and not give back, you know? And like, I don't, I don't make a dollar from the air vegan. Like no one pays me to post anything like that stuff all just so that like, people in the vegan community don't feel like they don't have options to be able to like be their best version of themselves. It's so, it's so, you know, like lame that it's through the lens of sneakers, but like I knew I needed to start somewhere and I know that sneakers is obviously like the hottest topic and I look forward to growing beyond talking about sneakers through the air vegan. I want to talk about bigger things, but like, I want to just make sure that I don't alienate the audience by like trying to tackle 15 things right now. Uh, the sneaker thing is gaining momentum and people are rallying around it. And so, you know, I, I, I interject stuff about the world and about the environment and all the stuff that, that I'm feeling. But, um, you know, I, I just want to make sure that the community feels like they're being heard as far as filmmakers and vegans, you know. I love that. I think the the coolest thing about you is that like and I I got this vibe as soon as I I met you it's like you it you don't conform and 
um, I asked you the the strange on pur- like what makes you strange on purpose question, and that was one of your answers for it. And it just it it's apparent when I meet when I met you, but like there's so much passion behind everything, like everything that you're saying throughout this podcast episode. And can you go like what actually makes you strange on purpose? Let's hear that answer, and then I can ask an, a separate question. Yeah, I mean, I think you know you. Um, sort of gave it back to me. It's like, I, I don't feel, and this is like a real, real, like, um, you know, I'm like, I'm very fortunate that I, I, I can sort of do this for myself, but I don't feel any pressure to be like this person or that person. You know, I, I really don't feel any pressure to, you know, I'm, you know, like some people would complain that like their parents weren't like all over them, guiding them to like do great on the SATs and enroll and, you know, try and get these scholarships or whatever. Like me being left alone largely due to circumstance in my life, like is, is a great thing. It sort of just allowed me to feel free and it didn't, force me into any path or give me any pressure to go down any sort of journey that wasn't my journey. Nobody was like forcing their agenda on me. So, you know, what makes me strange on purpose is that like, I'm just not interested or influenced by what other people tell me is the right cool thing to do. It's like, I need to feed this very honest need for myself um, and I'm just very like driven by my morals and my ethics and I ask a lot of questions and I you know try to read and consume a lot of information about what's going on in the world and I just try to you know make sure that I'm being honest with myself you know I mean we as a company get asked to do projects that I don't believe in you know and oftentimes those are the most lucrative projects. And so if for me, it was about stomping on people to be the richest, flossiest dude in the game, like I'm sure I would take those, those, those projects, but like, I don't feel the pressure to do that. I'm not sizing myself up against other agencies. We just don't operate that way because I'm just not interested in that. That's not what feels good to me. And that's, really all I care about, you know, it's like, I want to be able to look everybody in the eye, I want to be able to tell an honest story about myself. And I don't want to take advantage of people to get there, you know, and it's like, I think those things are pretty simple. If you are listening to yourself and like guided, you know, by like a positive, honest sort of truth. But, you know, if you're, if you're trying to be the coolest dude with the most sneakers and the sickest car and whatever, when the weird pharmaceutical commercial comes in or when the crazy, like, you know, alcohol campaign comes in that, you know, is going to like, you know, destroy a community or a cigarette brand or a vape brand or whatever, but you care about like getting that car or getting that, whatever you, you know, compromise yourself to do that. And, I just don't feel that pressure. I, I'm also grateful that like my, my wife, my partner doesn't 
put that pressure on me, you know, she lets me be myself and she's not asking me to like, you know, buy her the craziest stuff in the world. We like live a normal life. We have exactly what we need and our health is like the number one thing. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm strange on purpose because I'm not really interested in like achieving other people's <laughs> dreams for me, you know? Respect, bro. I love that. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you jumping on. I feel like this episode can go like way longer and I would encourage that. Maybe we should have a part two, but I think uh, this is a good way to at least cut it off halfway. And I appreciate you jumping on uh, the Strange on Purpose podcast. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Yeah, man. I mean, my pleasure. Thank you to both of you. And, you know, I, I, I want to reciprocate the encouragement. You guys are encouraging me by letting me tell my story, but like, you know, I've, I've educated myself on a bunch of the work that you guys are doing. And I feel that your purpose is, you know, true and honest. And I've, I was very impressed by our chance to sit down and have dinner in New York when you were here. And um, so I'm, I'm grateful. And I'm also, you know, sending along encouragement and positivity to you guys just to like, keep doing what you're doing and like, you know, make sure that you guys treat each other well and, and look out for each other as friends um you know in the midst of like being in business together um so you know lots of lots of good vibes and good luck to you guys and, and thanks again for having me i appreciate you dude yeah it means the world man